All right, so I didn't have time to watch the whole movie, so I found a YouTube edit all, and I skipped through it in the last 30 minutes. But you've already seen it. Yeah, I just wanted to rewatch to remember how terrible it is. Not that bad. It's pretty bad. Not that bad. Uh, it's, it's, it's not good. It's pretty much scene for, for scene from the, with the current game. <laughs> uh well welcome welcome to the podcast if you're ready to go we'll get going yeah, i'm ready to go i am trying to bring it up on hbo here in the background but um well let's let's start with this we're we're, we're talking about dune today it's a special uh david lynch follow-up of uh, uh boys peaking we're talking about 1984 dune i believe Oh, uh, shit, I watched the wrong one. <laughs> kind of relevant, kind of not, but also David Lynch. So we're still, we're still boys peaking. Um, there were four actors, it looks like, that were in um, both Twin Peaks and uh, this, this, this movie, this masterpiece, Dune, 19. Who were the other two? So you have... Uh, Tom McLaughlin and Big Ed. Right as uh, as the two they are. Um, then you have um, the redheaded uh, guard is um, for the villains for the Harkonnens or whatever. It's the it's the uh, uh, daily or whatever the guy's name is. Um, the fisherman who finds uh, Laura Palmer's body. Uh, okay, I must have missed it. Skipping through it on YouTube. He's, he's like listeners out there. I didn't rewatch the whole movie. I watched it a few months ago. I skipped through, so I probably just missed that. Yeah, he's he's not, he, I think he says maybe four lines, but he's in there as like a background guard. And then I think the girl or one of the the I think it's the little girl is the uh, the younger sister that does the uh, piano recital. Oh no fucking way! I think so. <laughs> I'm almost a hundred percent sure. So make sure my sound's off. So this is just on the background. Um, so David Lynch movie, uh, Dune, nineteen eighty four. Uh, not really, you know, relevant right now. Not like uh, anybody's ever remade it or anything. Um, it's actually the full book. Um, I am not familiar with Dune the book. Uh, as in like I, I am. I have not read the book. Um, I read the book in getting ready for the new movie, which was supposed to come out last year. Right. I'm familiar with David Lynch. Um, the, I mean, like, I know, I know the premise. Uh, it's space politics in the future. Um, it's been mislabeled by some as space Lord of the Rings. Uh, it's, see, I don't, I equate it to Lord of the Rings in the sense that it's the same impact on sci-fi as Lord of the Rings had on like fantasy, fantasy yeah. but no, they are not the same at all. No, no, no. Same uh, impact, but they are not the same anything. Right. They're, uh, without, I'd also argue the Lord of the Rings story is significantly more interesting. Yeah, I mean, I don't want to get into the, 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 the new Dune um but i feel like the new dune kind of tries to be more uh i don't know if you've seen it engaging (laughs) Uh, i watched it i watched it last week right okay so i feel like the the rings in space feels 
kind of like the the vibe New Dune was going for. And again, I haven't read the book. I can't say. Um, Someone I, I read the book. New Dune did a very good job. Yeah, no, it did a good job. I'm saying like that the 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 action they brought more to the forefront. Um, my understanding of Dune is that it's mo it's it's probably closer to like a desexed like Game of Thrones that it's more about politics and space politics and there's a little bit of fighting and you have you know your Neo and whatever but like it's really about you know this setting and like talking. Uh, I would say having not read any of the other books, I would say you're on par for what happens after the first book. Okay. The first book is actually a very well-contained, well-written story of like out by the emperor. Then the chosen one has to go be the chosen one. And there's a solid amount of action in it. And so the first book is very much, you could equip the rings if you wanted. And I don't think it holds very well, but. I'm saying it's closer to, to, to like a Game of Thrones where like they, I yeah. mean, I guess, uh, in the sense that Game, Game of Thrones is a little bit more subdued. Yeah, well, Game of Thrones is a whole another weird nightmare. But okay, so I, I'm not I'm not as familiar with the book. I'm familiar with the worms and the memes and the spice. Um, I didn't know that the music. I'm, it's going right now. I didn't know that the music was uh, uh put together by Toto. Um, yeah, that. That explains it. I do have a note uh, later on about it, like uh, Flash Gordon? Question mark. <laughs> <laughs> that's uh, very 1980s. We'll put it that way. Yeah, uh, but so that's. I mean, fucking stings in this movie. Yeah. Oh, that's another note. Um, I think Frank Herbert was alive to actually see this, right? Wrong. Yes. I don't know. Are you hated it. I don't. I think he was just like. Eh. <laughs> um, I here's what I will say, and and I think this applies to every every iteration of Dune I've I've seen since I've seen two. Um, it would do really well as like an HBO or like an you know AMC like miniseries. I think at least this first book. Um, there's just so much world building. Um, and it's like it it's. As, as you know, you're a Dungeons and Dragons player with me. It's like trying to get into somebody's like 20 year game where they have all this like <laughs> all this world they've built and you're joining like <laughs> 20 years in with no familiarity. And a lot of it is just like I, I feel like both of the movies uh, are really just trying to differently in different ways, trying to cover so much ground. <laughs> and you just can't do it um well so they, they split the movie up which is fine i uh, i think it hurts the the newer movie they split up uh, i think it hurts it uh and again i think it, it comes to my point of i think this would do really well as like a miniseries but it, it I, should be huh it should be like there's no reason that this should be even two movies it really should be probably four at the minimum right Oh, and the thing is too, like I feel like HBO, it's a you do the miniseries, like you got fucking eight books, like you can ride this bitch out. Uh, especially since they're clearly dying for a Game of Thrones, since they have uh, written a prequel to Game of Thrones. <laughs> um, like this could very easily fill that space, but neither here nor there. We uh, we watched Dune. Um. I 
<laughs> Here's what I'll say. Having seen the current movie and placing that kind of like hard or medium one out of two, if you're not familiar with the material at all, probably two out of two if you're familiar with the material. Um, and uh, the new one is, uh, you know, phenomenal, phenomenal music and design and, and visuals. I, Acting. I, it's an easy recommend just for the experience. Um, I, this is obviously like as a film, a, like a zero out of two, maybe oh, God, it's just, it's not good. <laughs> but here's what I'm going to say. Having seen the other Dune and being more familiar with the material, I I was entertained. I was entertained when I watched it. I'm I'm entertained right now when it's on in the background. I am uh I was impressed with the set design for the most part, uh with the costumes, with most of the sound and I, I learned this it was nominated for an Academy Award for sound design. Hmm. Um like all of that was great. Well, that's the stuff that David Lynch is good at. Uh, yes. Uh, I think they did the best they could with the special effects at the time. I give, I give old movies a pass on special effects, especially a movie like this. It didn't have the biggest budget. I mean, uh, they did what they could. Yeah, and I think... See, so many things in this movie work for me. I think so. What's weird is like they have like I, I assume it's a practical, like the the um what are they the space fairs guild or whatever the the giant ugly like <laughs> vagina mouth monsters that move <laughs> space right? They just didn't need to be in the movie. <laughs> but, yeah, no, not at all. But here's the thing: great practical effects. It looks like um, I. It's just like. Apparently, David Lynch's original cut was like four hours, right? Well, again, this movie really shows off how much David Lynch, A, seems to not really care about the source material all that much, and B, how much he hates studio sci-fi. Yeah. Well, I think he just he hates studio anything. Studios in general. I think he made a comment about this in retrospect. He's like, oh, yeah, I sold out with that movie. Um, well, I know they, they hired someone to cut the movie after he made it. Yeah. I think he made a three-hour cut, and then the studio was like, it's going to be two hours. Like, <laughs> fuck off, David Lynch. Um, I I also think, like, the visions, limited, you know, tech at the time, I think that they did the best they possibly could. Now, it's like, if all these things are good, where are the failings? Um, Everything else. <laughs> Kabbalah's hair mostly, but um, uh, story in this movie is just a mess. Yeah, it's. I don't know I, if it was the editing. Apparently, there's been like documentaries on this and, and documentaries on why Dune is unfilmable or whatever. And I think I think making Dune out to be this like unfilmable thing or ma- unable to be a movie, I think Dune could be a movie. It just have to be a Lawrence of Arabia, like a longish shit movie. Also, like I think Lawrence of Arabia was part of the inspiration for, for Dune. But like <laughs> uh longish shit movie with a, an intermission like yeah. pre pre Lord of the Rings, people said Lord of the Rings was unmakeable too. And they did just fine. Yeah. Um it it's doable. I think that's just like Hollywood bullshit in that it was like, you know, 
it went through five scripts and, you know, eventually they threw it at David Lynch, who was in his sellout phase and just made a weird movie. Um, I, and then so, I, let, let's just, let's just start with all the exposition. Yeah. That's, that's, <laughs> that's how it starts. It's the <laughs> princess's face over uh, in front of like space, right? The background of stars. And then she, it like, she fades in and fades out. Um, basically explaining the story, um, the premise. So that re- basically the intro of the 1990s Power Rangers movie. Yes, yes. That that reeks of uh, studio uh, meddling. Like Lynch, your movie's too weird. We're we're getting that actress back who has said no lines in the entire movie, and she's going to be our narrator. And is it important until the end of the movie? Yeah. Um. Yeah, intros and monologue is what I've written here. And then also, there's a point where she's fading out, and I thought it was pretty funny. And she fades back in, because she's like, oh, yes, I forgot to tell you. Um, <laughs> she's just expl- kind of trying to explain the, the, the premise. that there's, She says there's, like, four important planets, but, like, um, the home world of uh, the uh, uh, protagonist and his family, I don't think the, it's... The Atriids. Yeah. Um, also, didn't know Patrick Stewart was in this movie. Um, I didn't the first time I watched it too, and I'm like, Flyers and I are watching it, and uh, Job as well. We did a whole little Zoom call, double date <laughs> night, um, and we're like, holy shit, is that Patrick Stewart? <laughs> so I, uh, um, I wrote here exposition dumps galore. Um, what's fascinating to me is obviously they're like nearly forty years apart. But watching two different directors and group, it's not just the director, you know, it's so many other people, um, interpret the same material. And like, I assume doing the book has a lot of people's thoughts. And um, the new movie does its best to express those artistically without words. And then in a couple places, they turn those thoughts literally into exposition, right? Like the 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 Duke saying, I should have married you about Jessica or whatever. Um, he says it out loud in the contemporary movie. And this movie does something which I described as like schizophrenia in that it, it just, people are thinking on screen, but sometimes they'll be thinking right up against them saying something too. Yeah. So I will say I don't necessarily hate letting them talk inside their heads. Yes. I didn't I hate- don't like the execution like you just said, where it's like yeah. they'll literally say something in their head and then they'll say it out loud. And then sometimes you honestly don't even understand whose head they're talking in. Like you the voice is always like whispered. So half the time you don't even tell you can't tell it's Kyle McLaughlin or Jessica or the Duke or like anything. And and they don't just do it for the protagonist. They do it yeah. for so many characters. Um, it's it's all uh, it, it, like at first, if if it was just Paul, it probably and they they like made sure that there were there were good gaps in the audio between like his thoughts or like how does his his thought voice kind of like keyed in a certain way uh it it could be done a lot better 
Anyway, I'm watching the uh, the two rectangles fight right now. Um, <laughs> I, I appreciate it for what it is at the time, like an attempt. Oh, it's 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 not good, man. Even for that time, like again, I, I try to give special effects credit where it's due, and I don't want to harm a movie for it. But like, that's rough. It has to be one of the worst effects I've ever seen in my entire life, and watching it right now visually for the second time in a few hours, I can't stop giggling at it. And like, I am entertained. It's not good. <laughs> like where they're, they're, they're just like jumping over each other and yeah. then sliding across the room. <laughs> is uh, uh, I think Duncan puts one on at one point and like charges into a group of people, and it's just funny to see this like Gumby ass box jump into people. <laughs> <laughs> um, so yeah, uh, obviously everything that the the emperor has is is the emperor introduced in like like directly in the books i'm trying to think i don't think he actually is i i got the vibe that he just showed up at the end him and his daughter when it was like relevant to the end of the plot um yeah i'm trying to remember the book i legit again the book the book is hard to read yeah like like honestly, I feel like I want to reread it, knowing what happened, so I can kind of skim over a lot of the other crap that's in it and weed <laughs> weed through that. Because the first time you read the book, you're like, "What in the f is going on?" Because they're saying a whole bunch of different stuff, weird words that you don't know. Yeah, like I was read. It was one of those books where, as an adult, I had to read the spark notes after yeah. I finished the chapter. Just to make sure, like, it's like, one of the, like you thought you got it, but you wanted to just make sure because it right. just doesn't make sense. And I don't remember the, I don't remember the emperor ever showing up until the end. Yeah. Um, yeah. Special effects abysmal. Nominated for best sound. Do you know where it premiered? I do not. Washington D.C. at the Kennedy Center. No way. Interesting. Yep. Fucking wild. <laughs> I know. go back in time. That's such a weird place to do a, a, a premiere. I didn't even know they could show a movie there. But that's what I mean, that's what it says on Wikipedia, so it could be cool. But um yeah, like there's there's so many random things. Um I wrote here like, yeah, the the head narration is weird. The um the I, I mean, okay. I think when you saw this, you talked about Flash Gordon, like in our Discord. Um, that's pretty much all I could think about. Um, <laughs> yeah, it is very Flash Gordon, eh? Uh, which, where like think about the ending to Flash Gordon and the ending to this. Yeah, uh, <laughs> and just how abrupt and ridiculous it is. <laughs> like, yeah. Flash Gordon, you saved the universe. <laughs> now I'm gonna go home and make love to my wife. No, I mean like, <laughs> like uh, all of a sudden he's a god at the end. <laughs> oh yeah, that's that's it's Flash Gordon to a whole nother level. That's the thing is like I I feel like I'm getting the same enjoyment out of this as I did at Flash Gordon. Like there are some dead dead parts of the Flash Gordon movie. Like. Oh, I honestly don't think I've rewatched that since you and I watched it in college. Uh, the whole 
like you know adventure on the 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 last planet before they you know go fight back or whatever um i that's that's always like i got we got you know time to get out time to 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 go order food or something like it's the seventh inning stretch yeah we'll 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 come back uh when the uh uh uh, man yells uh come on you apes do you want to live forever um (laughs) also so like what's the deal with this um voice gun so that i was gonna get there that is a i honestly can't even describe how much david lynch ruined the book with that okay because i was like i don't remember any of that shit but okay so 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 what what part of it's are from the book and what parts are just lynch the guns are all Lynch. That's so, like, the weirding... Oh. They call it the weirding way or whatever, right? Yeah, yeah, yeah. Yeah, so, like, the weirding way in the book... I'm trying to remember. Like, the, the voice... Trap, so, right, so, let, me, let me get get in my head. The weirding way is, I think, like, the way the... Just the way to fight, basically. Yeah, yeah, yeah. yeah. And in... With the shields that they use, projectile weapons are not as useful as they used to be in today's age, which is why hand-to-hand combat such a thing nowadays. Right. So wait, let me let me pause that for a second. Um, I don't know if it's because the shield effect, the beautiful shield effect, was so expensive. You don't get any of that from this movie. Like, like, um, they make the comments right, like, oh, you you're using the shield. You can only, you know, uh, it's got to be slow, whatever. But like, I, they made that so much more relevant in the uh, the c- contemporary movie. So I don't know if it's because the shield effect was just expensive, or Lynch just didn't give a shit and he just gave everybody guns and everybody has guns. Um, yeah. So I actually I watched before we started doing this. I watched like well, it was like a Watch Mojo video or something. It was like everything that David Lynch got wrong. Mm-hmm. Um, Remember in the book, the weirding way is like how they fight. It's like a Bene Gesserit way of fighting, which is why it's weird for Paul to use it because it's a it's the female way of doing it, right? Right, right, right. But aren't, aren't so I don't, here's something that I didn't get from either movie. Aren't the Bene Gesserit supposed to be like inhumanly strong as well? Um, I don't think so. It's just the fact that they. By using the weirding, by using the weirding way, it like makes them really fast, okay. and then you use it. Just it's just a, and they can see the code. You know, basically is what it is. That's the best way I can word it. Actually, that's a good way of wording it. It's like if you if you learn the weirding way, you can kind of predict the way people maneuver, and you use you can like bend space and time, I guess it's, it's a whole weird thing. It's not, I don't remember it being particularly well described in the book either, but it just, it uses human uses your mind as well as your body. And you use it to trick other people into doing things to fight as you're fighting them. Right. Okay. I mean, but so it's, it's just like, yeah. Okay. Um, but this gun thing, (laughs) So David Lynch said he didn't want to use the weirding way in the way the book does it because that would have been space kung fu and he had no interest in doing that. So instead of 
doing that, he just gives these guys these special guns that, you know, render the shields useless, I guess, is his concept behind it. Um, that you, you just yell shit? <laughs> yeah, just yell shit, and that makes a, a gun more powerful, I guess. Uh, it's just, oh my god, it's just so bad. It's so bad. Uh, and what also bothered me about that is the fact that in the book, the Fremen are badasses. Like, there's a reason the Harkonnens really struggled when uh, when they were on Arrakis because the Fremen kept fucking them up. And like, and then Paul comes in and teaches them the weirding way, and then they become basically just an unstoppable force. But even before Paul got there, they were still really, really good fighters. Like, probably second best in the universe until you know they learn the weird one and then they're the absolute best right but the dude movie it's like oh they're just some weird sand people and now they have a gun and now they're powerful which is just not the point the fremen are really cool characters in a really cool society on Heracus. yeah there's a um the obviously um the movie or the book uh, is like I. It's weird. It's weird to, to. I think. I think obviously every everything's done better by the the, the second movie, the the contemporary movie, twenty twenty one. Um, but yeah, like like the, it it this one in particular, it feels like they just don't know what to do with the Fremen because I also feel like, um, that's the point in the movie ish where we're coming to like the final act for, you know, contemporary Dune and this Dune, it's the halfway point. Yeah. They're just trying which, to, it is the halfway back. point of the book, which is why the movie, the new movie cuts there. And that is the halfway yeah. point of the old movie. Yeah. Well, right. Cause like theoretically, well, so they, they dabbled in, in like Fremen stuff, but theoretically like you have a, uh, movie of two like you're doing it in two movies movie of two worlds right it's him and his like in you know his normal life uh normal culture and then it's him with the fremens and you have it centered around them but um i think they they made the baron of really gross appreciated that <laughs> um they did they did do a good job of the baron in the old one like I mean, again, like, the, the costume design and all that stuff was always good, except for Sting's, Sting's underwear for some reason when he came out of his <laughs> chamber. We'll, we'll get there. Um, <laughs> yeah, uh, Sting, Sting, obviously in the movie. Um, I, uh, I don't think that character showed up, or I don't think I saw them or, or caught it in Contemporary Dune. His like violent brother or cousin or whatever played by is played by batista um in the contemporary one but like is the baron i i get so here's the thing the the depravity of the baron seems different <laughs> between the two dunes in that um contemporary baron seems just like a glutton uh in general uh 1984 baron was he just like rubbing his skin on people? Like, what was his deal? And then, like, also, did he want to make love to Sting? 
Um, I mean, the whole point, you know, this is back in the 1980s where, you know, any anything remotely gay was seen as devilish, right? So uh, I think that's just what they were going for. It's like, oh, he's sodomizing and this and that kind of stuff. So clearly he's the bad guy. Was that, was that in the book or was that just like a flourish of, of, of David Boyd? I think that's just... I think that's uh, an exaggeration for effect. Hyperbole. Oh. There we go. That's the word I'm for. Like, like the like, it might have the tone was maybe there in the book, but it was really exaggerated in the movie. Yeah, I don't. I don't honestly, don't remember. I mean, it's just the the Baron's a bad dude. He's a glutton, and he just wants more, and he wants more, and he wants more. Also, to answer your question, that Sting's character and is named Fade Ralpha, and that is not. He is. We did not see him in the new Dune. Okay. I know, I know, like, there, there is, like, he, he is in the books. It's not, like, a new character, but I, I just, I, I, I was, I had assumed we hadn't seen him in Contemporary Doom. I mean, I, that's, that's the thing is, like, because Contemporary Doom 2, it just barely got greenlit. Um, they can drum up a lot of fanfare by casting, like, stunt casting, like, the Emperor and whoever the Sting replaced. They should cast Sting again. Um, <laughs> Honestly, you don't, I'm trying to think. In the book, how much the Harkonnens like aren't in it in a way that you actually really need. You don't necessarily need Fade Routh as a character. You can just use Dave Bautista's character, Rap, Raven or Rabbit or whatever. Yeah, yeah, yeah. Whole... You could do the same thing, honestly, and it wouldn't really matter. No, I know. I'm just saying, like that. That's a great opportunity to just like, you know, have. Uh... <laughs> The the emperor is 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 cast as Samuel L. Jackson or something wild like like because you're that's what two scenes in the in the final movie, um, <laughs> like it, I I'm excited I'm excited for Dune too but um I'm, I got the torture scene up right now I think that works I I just it's it's such a weird thing where it's like I I cannot put my finger on which torture scene. Uh, with the box, uh, he's got his hand in the box. Oh, um, yeah. Also, I will say, actually, I think the old movie did a better job with this than the new movie did. Yeah, it's pretty good. Um, like, cause, like, this works. This works for me. This this scene. Um, he's twenty five or twenty four at the time of filming this. Who, Kyle McLaughlin? I think so. Yeah, and he's supposed to be much younger, obviously. No, uh, the, the, yeah, a couple of people call him like the little one and the boy. Um, it's, I like obviously he's supposed to be younger, but I, I didn't know he was that young at the time of the the move uh, filming this movie anyway. Um, I uh, I like the the. <laughs> The uh, weirdos folding space. I like that. I, I wish David Lynch had given that like another fifteen minutes. <laughs> um, I'm, so, I'm sure. I'm sure there is another fifteen minutes of footage in his basement. Yeah. Then they uh, just cut it. It should have. Uh, it should have just gone to the Black Lodge for a minute, and uh, it would have been better if a midget was dancing around. Yeah. Yeah. So, yeah, I'm seeing, like, the... I, like... I feel like they just brought things in or used things because they had 
too, it, like nothing feels fleshed out. And I, maybe that's what it is, right? I think. Well, it's just like they, they condensed the entire book. Yeah. It's like, let's just punch it all in there, whether it's really pertinent or not. I'm like, watching- the, like, again, I know we're supposed to only review the old one, but whatever. Like the new one, I think they did a nice job of, they expanded on the important stuff. But the stuff that wasn't super important wasn't in there. Well, in the book, that gives things a little bit more meaning. In a two-hour movie, you don't have that luxury. Right. So cut some of it out. Like, in the in the new movie, when uh, What's-His-Face betrays the Duke, you're kind of like, oh, okay, you just betrayed the Duke, so now we lose. But in the book, it goes into the fact that that should actually be impossible for one of those characters to be able to actually betray them. Like yeah. mentally, that's not how their brains work. But there's some weird backwards logic that allows it to happen. So it's a, it actually is a, I guess it's not a twist. You do know it's coming, but like it's a bigger deal in the book that the Duke gets betrayed by one of his own people. Yeah, yeah. I I so like some things that I missed that were because well that's this this Dune eighty four Dune is like exposition dump all the time. Like, yeah. I kind of caught that, like, oh, I guess there's something with the doctor's brain that he shouldn't be able to betray him, which I didn't pick up in the other one. And then... But it's know, not necessary. You don't need it. Right, right, right. It's interesting, but, like, it doesn't change anything. Um, the it, it was more apparent that the uh, Baron was uh, too fat to go anywhere except with his, like, flying suit thing in this one. Um, yeah, because I mean, I, I, I just thought it was something he did in the other one, I'd like just to be a weirdo. Um, but yeah, Paul has his visions. But, right. but again, is it is it important that you know he can't walk? No, no. Um, we meet Duncan, who is much less of a character in this. <laughs> well, he's also much less of a character in the book too. Yeah. In the book, it's like, oh, here's this super badass in charge of the army, dude. He's going to go find the Fremen and do this and do that. And then he's just dead. You're like, I, but I thought he was the best. Which is what I appreciate in the new movie is Jason Omoa at least gets to go out as a warrior. Well, yeah, so they, they, like, we get, what, instead of just two-ish scenes with him, we get, like, five? <laughs> yeah. I will say... um, Patrick Stewart's character, that that dude, or you know, uh, Thanos's character is <laughs> definitely the bigger player of like, you know, big figure to Paul. But I, yeah. I think I think it works better to be Jason Momoa's character. Duncan. Right. right, Duncan Idaho, great name. Um, Gurney is, uh, yeah, Gurney, is, that's right. Uh, in it, I I like the judge in the new one. Uh, versus this one. Also, I think in this one, it's it's is that guy's name Max von uh, Sydow or something? It's the dude from Star Wars. Which wait? I think the judge is the guy at the beginning of. Uh, let me just press play here to make sure. I think the judge is the guy at the beginning of a uh, uh, seven or six. Wait, one, two, three, four, five, six. Yeah, seven. Who's in the tent uh, at the very, very beginning? And I think he's been in like some other Star Wars stuff. I, I don't know. 
just like a, a just weird thing like actors like I said, like like Patrick Stewart it's just like familiar faces in this movie that was like notoriously garbage <laughs> um uh what was the last thing you heard uh you were just talking about judge change and Leah Keynes or whatever the name was I don't know just the judge I think it's it's a, the dude from Star Wars in uh, uh episode 7 in the 10 at the beginning um yeah the, the worm we see the worm uh, I, I was impressed. I didn't know how the worm was going to look. Uh, I think we get a little bit too much worm at the end, but um, for the most part, it was, I, was, I was impressed with the worm design for 1984. No, I, think, I think the worms are really good. I know that you know, it gets memed nowadays because in today's world, that practical effect kind of looks corny and you know, it's a big rubber monster, right? Yeah, it's a Godzilla. But I, I think it, it's a good job. I it's the Alaskan bullworm, you know? It is the Alaskan bullworm. Um, yeah, where, where it fails is when they have to superimpose the other characters in front of it. Like when Paul goes to ride it, and it's just, it's just Kyle MacLachlan clearly on a green screen, just in a still frame, when they dragged it up, you know, a hand grew that in, probably. Yeah. Um, we get the uh, the same hunter killer scene or whatever um which i i i don't know i (laughs) they both work for me for the most part um the thing about it though uh i don't know if it functions better or not without the narration (laughs) um when it's like again like we said earlier when it's just Paul. Yeah. Okay. So in that particular scene, you're talking about with the, the little thing floating in the air. Yeah. Yeah. Like I'm okay with it because it's explaining how this thing works, you know, is, and it, it's Kyle McLaughlin because a lot of, a lot of what this character is, is Paul, it's a coming of age story more than anything yeah. of like, and it's, it's him talking to himself and taking his lessons that he learned from other people and applying them to this situation now. And I'm okay with being inside his head for that stuff. It's actually not a completely terrible or unclever way of doing it. It's just the fact that they overdid it in this movie with mm-hmm. everybody. Um, I'm at the betrayal. Uh, yeah, everything blows up. They get they get blowed up. Um, their magic guns get blowed up. Um we, I think they have the same stairway fight scene. Was that like described in the book? You know, where the um, uh, the protagonist's army is like <laughs> being marched upon by the uh, the villains. Because I, I, I honestly, I, I think I assume the emperor's special troops, the Sakar or whatever. I don't know what they're called. Sadukars. Sadukars. Are the dudes in the black uh, hazmat suits? Um, yeah. yeah, they're they're coming up the stairs. It's it's not identical, but it is like it's the same framing. And I'm just wondering if that like captured something in the book. Uh, honestly, couldn't I couldn't tell you off the top of my head, but it's very possible. I mean, you know, they talk about that battle and how the cider car come in, so it's very possible. Um. Yeah, we get the whole. Uh, uh, two thing we get. Oh yeah, Duncan. Duncan gets his moment. It's here instead of like in that extended. 
uh, part in in the contemporary movie. Um, again, yeah, that, that entire part of the contemporary movie doesn't exist. Yeah, that's what I figured. Um, I think it functions. I think it does does good. I um, thought it was great. I thought it was a great way to do that kind of stuff, actually. And then. You know, like as someone read the book, I'm like, well, this isn't supposed to be happening, so I know where it's going to go. Right. But I just thought I thought it actually worked better and is a good way to get that the points across they needed to get across. Well, you get you get Duncan's big scene. You get um, you get a lot. You get a way to chase Momoa. So yeah, you got you get more um, more time with the judge to kind of explain stuff, um, like. Not even like the exposition dump, but like explain like the Fremen politics and like what's going on a little bit. <laughs> um, yeah, we get the poison tooth. Um, uh, he uses the voice, right? Really cool in the new movie, actually. I was shocked at how good they did with that. Yeah, I really liked it in the new movie. It, it seems. I think they did really good in the new movie explaining how important that power is. Yeah, because it comes out of nowhere in the old movie. Yeah, I think the the mother Bene Gesserit uses it on him with the box stuff. But uh, it doesn't make any sense. It's just like she has this weird voice and then he just kind of follows her order. Fucking amazing in the uh, in the, the contemporary movie where he just whips in front of her. Like, like, like it's being distorted around him, like space, and he's being dragged in front of her. I thought that was great. Um, that goes into the weirding way. Yeah, exactly. Um, so, yeah, they they get thrown out of the the thing, the the ship. They crash a ship, whatever. Um, Baron almost dies. They which much better in the contemporary movie. That scene is rough. <laughs> the old one <laughs> with uh, what's his, what's his face? That actor. Um, oh, he's Billy from uh, One Flew the Cuckoo's Nest. I have no idea. One of, one of my favorite books. Yeah, very good movie. But that actor's that actor always kind of plays like a high strung guy because he's famous for Cuckoo's Nest. Um, I. I know why it, it existed and why we had them in the uh, desert tent like so long in the contemporary movie. Yeah, that did drag a little bit. I was getting, you know what I was getting? I was getting Harry Potter 1 camping vibes. Uh, uh, seventh movie, part one camping vibes. Where they're doing that camping trip for like 30 minutes or 40 minutes of the movie. <laughs> um, instead of, you know, getting to the rest of the Right. so like I get it. I, it was a good. That was a good. Like okay, we can we can pump out more visions, kind of explain some stuff, but it, it really dragged there. They, I think everything after that functions better than this movie. Um, I don't know if that like knife fight happens in the book. I, I enjoyed it. Yes, it does. So uh, Boston Market complained a little bit about the ending of the contemporary movie. Uh, like oh, just felt rushed. I'm like. Boston Market, you just read the book like at the same time I did about this time last year. I'm like, it comes out of fucking nowhere in the book too. Yeah, because that's just it, it's your first introduction to the real ways of the Fremen, and it's just like this dude just wants to kill Paul, and it seems like it's for no reason, and it kind of is for no reason. 
and it doesn't make sense, but it's your first introduction to these people that live under the sand. He's a normie with normie eyes. Um, they, uh, I love the blue eyes in the whole movie. <laughs> it's just an effect. They're just tracking it. It's clearly painted frame by frame. <laughs> good, good for those animators. Um, oh, my God. I can't even imagine how miserable that must be. Um, I assume Zendaya's character will be more used and fleshed out in the... So, supposedly in the sequel, I guess we call it a sequel, part two. In the part two. He's going to be like a main character, which when I heard that, I'm like, well, they just want to pump up Zendaya because for some reason everybody loves her, even though I really don't think she's that special. That's a whole different conversation. I enjoy it. Um, it's fine. There's, I mean, she's I, fine. I, I, haven't, I haven't seen the, the, the TV show Everybody Loves with Her, but every, everything I've seen her in, she's fine. She's above average. I've, I've only seen her in Spider Man, so. And this. Um, but, like, I'm trying to think back to the book, and even then, she's not, not a main character, but she's not, like, the heart and soul of the book. It's always, Paul is always the main character. So I'll, I'll be curious to see how much they're blowing that up and bullshitting us just to get you to go watch it. But Well, so in, in this movie, she feels like an object. Um, <laughs> it kind of is an object in the original book, though. I, I, I believe that. Um, yeah, we're talking about, what, 1960s, right? I think maybe 70s. Uh, doesn't even... I, think it's, I think it's 60s. What'd you say? Doesn't he have a kid with her in the book or something? I believe so. Um, I know they have kids, at least in the sequels. I can't remember if she actually has the kid or not in the book. Dude, it's kind of not super important to the book, either movie. Yeah, 1965. Um, so, he, I mean, he was probably alive when this came out. It was only 20 years later. I, I, um, I looked up an interview. He, he did. He saw it. What, what did he say? Um, I was. I mean, I've been talking and reading at the same time, so it so- sounds like he didn't hate it. Yeah, I think I think he was just happy to see like some of it portrayed, you know. But um, yeah, we get uh, you know, him with the fremen. He doesn't kill anybody in this. Um, Paul doesn't. He's just kind of accepted because he promises to teach them their their weird way um and then he like i feel like they really didn't talk in, up enough the messiah stuff in this um yeah like and how scared he actually is of like it's a big thing in the book where basically what paul can do is he can see into the future yeah and it's, th- it's less about seeing the future. It's like he can calculate different futures in his head and he can see them. Yeah. And every action he takes makes a holy war more likely or less likely. And he wants to try to avoid the holy war because he doesn't want the universe to blow up. Right. Um, so he, and I think, you know, he becomes, or it's like he becomes a, um, what's the, someone dies. Um, he had a martyr. Um, yeah martyr there we go like he becomes a martyr and that sends the world spiraling into a giant war and he doesn't want that right so that that he's always trying to fight those two things because they're both viable and very possible 
what's up with the men cat that gets captured and having to milk a cat? I don't remember that in the book. <laughs> <laughs> I think that's David Lynch being weird, but they take the Mentat because he's, you know, good at his job and he lost the other one. Yeah. Um, yeah. Then we get a t- two year skip and uh, the princess comes back to monologue or narrate, excuse me. Um, we do get a montage of him training. Well, not a montage. We get a scene of him like, Here's how you shoot the gun. Um, here's how you ride the wheel. Um, he gets, I feel like it's probably more important, but he gets like blood guards or something, and they kind of just rip right over that. Never hear about it again. Um, uh, Jessica takes the whatever liquid yeah. or whatever. Mother's milk. Uh, Mother's milk. Which is. Also, what they call it in uh, <laughs> in uh, Fury Road. Oh, that yeah, that's me joking. I don't know what it's called. It's called like t- something something more serious than mother's milk. But um, <laughs> yeah, daughter who's uh like born a, a Ben Jesuit or whatever. So it's this is something that's really really hard to describe. But in the book, what the Ben Jesuit do and why they're all female is. Through their way, you can access. It's actually very Assassin's Creed. You can access genetic memories. Right. Right. So, females have two, and in particular, you can check the X chromosome. So, since females have two X chromosomes, it's easier for women to do it. That's right. like explaining like on five version of it. So, what this liquid does, or whatever, gives her access to like all knowledge. Like puts the Bene Gesserit stuff on steroids, basically. Right. Um, and it passes on to her daughter in some way, I assume. Yeah, because you have to share it. It's in your body, so it, it, yeah. the daughter has to go through it as well. Which is why when she's born, she has the knowledge of all women ever. Right, right, right. And so, and that's the thing too is like, I think the the mother superior or whatever says like oh the place we we we're afraid to look or the place we can't look or whatever that's just like met like the y chromosome right like that's uh i honestly don't know i think they're scared of it maybe it's the y chromosome i'd have i'd have to look more into dune lore yeah uh which i really don't want to do yeah well uh, then it's just fucking rapid fire dune lore at one point somebody becomes a half worm half person and then a full worm right um does it you probably know more than i do honestly i i i read six wikipedia entries and i would not read any more past that (laughs) because they were written by like his son or something after that but anyway anyway they're just rapid firing through the back half of the book like it's two years um we get like a uh we see the naked shoulders up there there is a time jump in the book so it's not like that's different I, I, there is a time jump, but there, I'm just saying, like, it goes like event, event, event. Like, it's not, like, they, they don't, it's not pace. It's just, yeah. <laughs> it's, it's, we're riding the worm, we're shooting the mouth gun, we're, uh, my mom's taking the drug, uh, mother's milk, I'm taking it. Um, now we're ready. I get surrounded. That scene's bonkers. <laughs> I see everything. <laughs> Wait, <laughs> the fucking worms. Yeah. Oh, they come in like bow. And Flyers and I were we were literally laughing during that scene. Like, what is happening? 
um we get the desert tower comment um that's the thing it's so many so many things that are said and just sound silly or or like our brain thought or our, our, our like mind narration like like a, a character's inner monologue and again are jarring or sound silly i i've seen them done in the contemporary dune and and land and like sound good <laughs> yeah like the, is that that's like the last line of the movie the new one right it's, as they see someone riding a worm yeah like, desert power yeah which which they also they use the dad's character uh, uh the duke or whatever to they kind of already put that idea in in yeah in, like we we conquered with water power and wind power now we're gonna do with desert power yeah yeah well things like that and it, it's it's leading I, up <laughs> to things <laughs> helps helps stories go a long way uh it helps or, or it they actually i feel like they actually show jesus they actually show that like paul in the new movies new movie paul hears something sees something learns something and then uses it right um like applies it uh, anyway, which, which is power. crucial to a growing kid who's learning about the universe and learning about his powers. Learning, learning to be God, um, Emperor, God Emperor. Uh, you yeah. sound really muffled, by the way. Is it? Can you hear me? I can hear you. Just sound far away. That's weird. Um. Anyway, I don't think my AirPods are on or anything weird like that. Um. So, do they set off nukes to? break the emperor's base or something they said nuke something. yeah i don't remember in the books i they they say basically if i remember right it is like they just have mini nukes you know like they do in starship troopers right oh right 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 um minutemen <laughs> uh the princess finally shows up um the weird sister is is there when the emperor shows up they basically like cause so much shit that the emperor has to show up and deal with them with the baron um in the book they drive the worms right in there did that happen in the movie no i think they just drive the worms right up um to the front door and then they they like paul comes in after they've taken over and he demands to have a knife fight with uh sting which goes on pretty long um yeah <laughs> that fight is <laughs> extended like four times like i'm gonna kill him <laughs> and it just like stings overacting in it oh my god yeah it's very um, twin peaks actually right and then he's like he's like uh yeah i'm i'm god i'm the new god emperor everybody can suck it um and then it just starts to rain on arrakis yeah yeah that's not supposed to happen also that would hurt the worms and the spice production which is the entire point of the movie yeah, I know that the the worms don't like the water. Um, it's their only weakness. <laughs> H2O. <laughs> um, yeah, I'm just looking at this this big dumb fight scene. Uh, it's, it's super wild. <laughs> it just blows my mind that it's Sting more than anything. <laughs> yeah. Uh, but yeah, like so, there, there's a bunch of weird things missing from the like end of the book. Um, like, doesn't he marry the princess to like become the god emperor? And like, I don't. I mean, know. They, they talk about that in the 
84 movie where it's like, I'm going to marry her, but you're still the love of my life. Don't worry, Zendaya. It'll be okay. <laughs> I miss that. I, I must have just been so fucking spaced out after the... the... It, it kind of... And again, it's just like, it's all exposition dump. It's all just like out of nowhere of like, oh, I'm going to marry the princess now. Wait, well, Why? You know, the whole thing is he's going to unite the galaxy, basically, and he needs to be the emperor to do that in order for him to be the emperor and make it look legit to the other houses. He's got to marry the princess. Yeah. Even though he doesn't actually want to marry the princess and he's got to make sure that Zendaya is okay with it. Uh Um, And, you know, she understands the implications of everything, so she goes along with it. So even though he doesn't love the princess, you know, you're still the love of my life. Don't worry, Mary Jane. Um, I just had to, to, to fast forward to the end there again. Um, yeah, it just ends on a shot of uh, it raining <laughs> on Arrakis. Uh, so obviously, hard, uh, just zero out of two if you, you know, enjoy the books and want to see them portrayed accurately. Uh, I'd say it's, it's an entertaining watch. If you like Flash Gordon and want to see some other campy weird shit, um, I found it pretty funny, and and I was I've been entertained the whole time it's been on. I would it's definitely something I'd be willing to like watch again in like with people who have never seen it, right? With people who've only seen contemporary Dune, like next boys weekend or something, and just I like, bet this actually. I'm a little disappointed. I ran out of time today. It just we had a launch sync, so I had to go fix it. I was when I was going to go watch it, but um, like, I do kind of want to rewatch it post watching 2021 Dune to be like, okay, I can enjoy this now. <laughs> so, what's your uh, final fi- final thoughts? Uh, I mean, it's a zero out of two. It is legitimately a, not a good movie. Like, narrative mess. It's David Lynch at its worst, but also it's nice. I stopped a word, but it's like it could have been David Lynch at some of his best, but clearly they weren't okay with some of the weird shit that he likes to do. Right. And he's like, if it it goes back to if David Lynch is allowed to be David Lynch, (laughs) you know, it's it's usually good, but you've got to be okay with what David Lynch is. Well, 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 good, good for people who want like very uh personal artistic expression that would not really give a shit about the source material like a full david lynch dune i think would barely mirror the book um i mean it already (laughs) barely does the book in this one it's not even full david lynch (laughs) right exactly I'd say if we got full david lynch it'd be like it'd be nearly unrecognizable as which honestly i'd be okay you're taking source material stuff fuck throw it all out the goddamn window you're gonna piss a lot of people off yeah why not it's david lynch like i i it's it's like like he's like he said you know he sold out whatever he was just just there for a paycheck it sounds um but uh no i mean i i i i enjoy both movies for different reasons i do need to rewatch it uh contemporary dune um just because, like, I want to rewatch it. Um, I want to find the time to rewatch it. I've been listening to the soundtrack. I've, I actually really like the soundtrack. Um, Hans Zimmer. I and I remember sending you a really funny TikTok tonight. Actually, remind me later. Uh, <laughs> <Okay>. <laughs> any any final thoughts? 
Um, yeah, I mean, I think we nailed, there was, you know, there's only so much you can say about 1984 Dune. <laughs> watch it. That's all you can. If, if, yeah. you, if, if you can watch the current Dune, you have HBO, you can watch 1984 Dune. This is true. You can do that now. <laughs> um, but I will say, like, one thing that Dune reminds me of is, like, you know, it's a lot of strategy. There's a lot of backstabbing. Yeah, yeah. Lots of politics. You, you got to create a plan so you don't lose your planet, you know? Yeah. And it reminds me of the game spice. Stratego. He who controls the spice. <laughs> controls. <laughs> so in Stratego, you've got to try to capture your team's flag, right? That's like the spice, basically. you got to produce that. Right. And then if you control the spice, you can control the universe. Yeah. The so, map. I mean, like, if, if there's an allegorical tale board game for Dune, yeah. obviously Stratego's it. Do you think there's a Stratego version of Dune, or a, like a, a Dune themed Stratego out there somewhere? Harkonnens versus the Patriots. <laughs> yeah. <laughs> no, but I think we need to make it. <laughs> I feel like we could. I feel like we could. We could bridge that deal somewhere. We could. We could get some royalties. All Prem- right. Fremen soldiers are the twos, and the uh, Cider Bar <laughs> are the other twos. <laughs> All right. Have a good night. <laughs> See ya. See ya.